Okay, you ready? Go. Welcome to the Biz Women Rock Podcast. A little bit more energy. Come on. Welcome to the Biz Women Rock Podcast. Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos. And that fabulous intro was done by my nephew, Tyler. Say, what's up, Tyler? What's up? We're here in Arizona right now doing what I'm calling the Sedona Summer Tour. (laughs) Uh, Just visiting tons of family, having a great time. Uh, as you can tell. So anyway, thank you for being here. This podcast is all about great, actionable resources to help you grow your business. That's why I'm here. That's why this podcast exists. And that's what the entire Biz Women Rock community is here to provide for you. So if you are not currently a member of the entire community at large, which happens to hang out in a Facebook group, um, please go to bizwomenrock.com and go opt in and you'll get your personal invitation to join our private Facebook group and get connected to thousands of other women who are savvy businesswomen just like you, literally all across the world. So during the week that this particular episode launches, I will be in Chicago, Illinois for Podcast Movement 2016. I'm so excited to go. I can't even tell you. Uh, And I'm extra excited because I'm having a Biz Women Rock meetup on Wednesday, July 6th at 11 a.m. in the Hyatt Regency Hotel where the conference is going to be located. So it's in downtown Chicago. I would love to see you there. All you have to do if you want to come is go to our Facebook page, Biz Women Rock, and go to the event. You're going to see the event specifically for Chicago uh, for the Biz Women Rock Summer Tour. And just go as RSVP. Let me know that you're coming. I want to give you a big hug. I love meeting with you in person. There's nothing that brings me greater joy. It's awesome. So I'd love to see you there. Coffee's on me. Uh, We'll have an awesome time. So as I mentioned, I'm sitting here in my childhood home. Uh, I came back here. This is the house that I grew up in. I was here until I was 18 years old. And I come back here often, like once or twice a year. And it's awesome being here. It's really cool. But I wanted to tell you the story that happened last night at the dinner table because I figured you might find it amusing and identify with it. (laughs) So it was just my husband and I and my mom and dad, and we're sitting at the dinner table. And Chris, being the inquisitive person that he is, just kind of starts this conversation asking my mom and dad, so... I know Katie was like a happy-go-lucky baby because we were talking about how much of a happy-go-lucky baby Sedona is because she's laughing and just smiling like crazy here. And he says, okay, Katie was this happy-go-lucky baby. Like, when did she get so driven? (laughs) Like, when did she get so serious and driven? And my mom and dad laughed and told him that, you know, they can't think of a specific memory, but they just know that somewhere around sixth grade – I had just decided that I was going to get straight A's for all of junior high. And they they're recalling the story. And so once you know it, I just had set my mind to this goal. And I graduated eighth grade going through junior high with a 4.0 grade point average. <laughs> and they were just like, she just sort of, if she decided she wanted to do something, she just did it. She went at it with gusto. And 
I recalled this story that happened around the same time. I said, you know, when I was in fifth grade, I remember winning a hoop shoot contest uh, at like our local church or whatever. And I, re- I was shooting the, the basketballs like um, granny style, <laughs> but I won the contest. I won the hoop shoot contest. Um, and so I went to Tucson, my, the nearby big city, and kind of went through like another round or two before I got knocked out. But it was enough to give me the taste of competition and athleticism and sort of going for something and competing and um, uh, just doing like taking action on something that I really wanted. And I just loved it. And <laughs> so I'm telling them the story about how uh, it wet my appetite to really being driven in athletics. And so in sixth grade, I showed up to um, uh, I think it was volleyball season was first. So I showed up to volleyball tryouts and I didn't make the team. And so what I did, and I don't really recall having a conscious effort to do this, but I just remember doing this. I literally showed up to the volleyball team's practice every single day and uh, just would be there. I would help them out. I would see what they were doing. I would like, you know, t- I would sort of get coached from the sidelines, even though I wasn't actually playing. I would go to every game. And finally, in seventh grade, I showed up to uh, tryouts and I was one of the first people picked. So <laughs> if that gives you any, those two stories give you any sense of what kind of a driven person that I am and kind of where that came from, I, I figured you might like that insight. Um, but it made me think of you because one of the things that I have found so unique about business women is that we all have that in some way, shape or form. So I would encourage you to think about where yours came from or maybe a story, one of the first stories that you remember of having that drive because I feel like it's this commonality that we all recognize in each other. Like I nod to you and and I, you know, sort of bow to you in respect no matter what you choose to do or how you choose to do it because I recognize that drive, that that inner um just that inner energy that is so focused and so wanting what you've set your sights on that you're going to make it happen no matter what. So um, A, I really just wanted to say that I honor that in you because I know that you have that. That's why you're listening to the show in the first place because you want something more than what you have. You want business to move uh, in a different way or, or you know better than what it's moving right now. You want to grow yourself. And so just understand that I recognize that in you because I have it too. And that's a little bit of a background story as to where mine started. <laughs> So overall, we're having a great time here in Arizona, and um, I just wanted to share that little story with you. So let's get the show on the road. On today's show, we're continuing into part two of a four-part series about how to build a community. If you are looking to build an online following, if you're looking to get more readers to your blog, if you're looking to get more listeners to your podcast, to have more viewers for your videos, uh, whatever it is, if you want more people to follow what you are doing and to be engaged with what you are creating, this is a series for you. If you haven't yet listened to part one of this series, please take a second, go back to episode 255 and go listen to part one of the series because out of the seven steps that I have created on how to build a community, that goes through step one and two. And today we're diving deep into step three, okay? 
And then we are jumping into our Money Moxie segment. And on today's show, I'm so excited, we have a case study with Jessica Rhodes of Interview Connections, who's literally opening her books for us and showing how she creates revenue and how her business has grown into multi-six figures in just the past three years. So let's get going. We're kicking things off with Biz Women on the Move. Our Biz Women on the Move segment is specifically designed so you can hear about the phenomenal accomplishments of your fellow Biz Women Rock community member. There is seriously a never-ending stream of successes that happen within the Biz Women Rock community. So let's hear a few of them. Hey, Katie. It's Jackie Glass. My company is The Rock Solid Life, where I help coach people with their fitness, nutrition, mental health, and help other coaches get started as well. I recently had a big win when it came to me stepping up my leadership for my company. You see, I had wanted to stay small, hide under the covers, and not go through the growing pains of getting more effective and efficient. The big, hairy, scary goal staring me in the face was to develop my own coach training site, specifically for my rock-solid life coaches. I knew the actual details of accomplishing this would be daunting, but the scarier part for me was how to get over the fear that I could try and create and succeed and grow as a leader, to not only maintain where my company was, but to grow and flourish, to not stay in a small pot, but to actually repot to grow larger and better. Well, after two months and not much sleep, I'm happy to report my win that last night I launched my coach training site for the other fitness and nutrition coaches who are a part of my company. It was a monumental moment for me last night and a huge win for the rock solid life. All I could say as I looked in the mirror is I am so proud of myself. I did a really hard thing. It is amazing to be able to know that I stared my big, hairy, scary goal in the face and accomplished it, not only for the benefit of my company, but also for the power of knowing that I chose to grow in my leadership. Cheers to all of us entrepreneurs leading companies and choosing to grow. Bye, Katie. Hi, Katie Cremendos. This is April Saland, one of the founders of AL Saland Insurance Solutions. Here is my big win for the day. We were endorsed, our insurance agency was endorsed by Working Women of Tampa Bay as their disability specialist with an insurance policy. That's well over 800 women. What a great connection. What a great way to get out there. So exciting. Cannot wait to see where we have next. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, ladies. These are awesome wins. I love this segment because so often we get so busy accomplishing what we need to accomplish and moving forward and helping to celebrate all of the things for our clients or our customers, and we forget to sit back and celebrate all the amazing things that we have done. So let me do it for you. (laughs) April, Jackie, thank you guys so much. Uh, Just great job. And if you have an accomplishment, if you have a big win that you would like to share, please call in to the Biz Women Rock voicemail. That number is 813-489-9630. I want to hear from you. Today's segment is brought to you by Facebook Groups Rock. 
the online education for mastering your own Facebook group. Hey, Katie and the Business Women Rock community. This is Michelle Evans from MichelleLEvans.com. And I just wanted to give you a shout out, Katie, for your amazing course, Facebook Groups Rock. Um, you know, I bought the course last year, about a year ago, and I have to say it's one of the best courses I've ever taken for a few reasons. Number one, there's no fluff. You get right to what it takes to get a group up and running and doing it really well. Number two, I was able to take all the goodness from your course that didn't take that long to go through, but was so on point and made me think about all sorts of things I never would have thought about on my own. And I was able to really quickly grow it to over 400 people. And I haven't done any ads or anything like that. And the engagement in my group is amazing. I had no idea of all the back-end work and tricks and tips and shortcuts that I could glean from your course and then, of course, from the private Facebook group you put together for all of us who bought the course that could make running a group easy, fun, and really profitable, honestly. Um, not that I charge for my group, but it's it, it how you helped me think about setting it up really created an environment to easily turn uh, people who were in there into clients because of the engagement and the authenticity. So I just wanted to give a shout out. And if anyone in your community is thinking they might someday want to have a Facebook group um, that they're running, I cannot highly recommend your course enough. It is so amazing and quick to get through and start getting results. If you want to see results coming from a very powerful community working within a Facebook group, go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash Facebook groups rock. We are officially talking about the intricacies of community building. In this four-part series, we'll be diving deep into what it takes to not only quote unquote build an online following, but build a community, something dynamic, something multidimensional and powerful. If you haven't yet listened to part one of this series, please make sure you go back to episode 255 and listen to everything so you can have a full understanding of all of these steps. In part one, I talked about the first two steps of community building. The first was to establish your niche and your super niche which thereby helps you get clear on your avatar. And step two revealed the three levels of platforms that are required to deliver your message and gather your people. As a quick review on that one, I broke up the different platforms into three separate levels, two-dimensional, three-dimensional, and multidimensional. And I stated that to truly be a successful community leader, you must have a platform in each level. Here's a quick review of those levels. Two-dimensional. This is when you deliver a message and you receive feedback from that listener or the receiver of that message. Examples of these are a podcast, a blog, video blog, or an email. The second level is three-dimensional, which means that you are communicating a message and your community is uh, being able to communicate back with you and they are able to communicate with each other 
However, it is 100% reliant on the fact that you start the conversation. Examples of these are a blab, Facebook Live, Periscope, Twitter, and a Facebook page. The last level, and obviously my favorite, is multidimensional, where you can connect with your community member, they can connect and communicate back with you, they can communicate with each other, and they can do so without you having to be there. Facebook groups are one example of these and probably my favorite. You having your own forum on the backside of your website is another example, something very similar to a Facebook group. And physical meetings. This is where true community happens in the multidimensional space. To get a deeper understanding and a longer explanation of each of these levels, please again make sure to listen to part one of this series. Before you can really kick ass in all three of these levels, you must consistently commit to one of them, which leads us to step three. Step three, establish your platform and commit to consistently showing up and delivering great content. There are three key words in this step that dance with each other and will be the makers or breakers of your entire community building experience. Commit. Quote, Commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you set it in has left you, end quote. Author unknown. Committing to your platform means keeping your word to show up, making it a priority, getting it done no matter what, because you said you would, always choosing to give that platform your energy. This is why it is vital to choose a niche that you love and a platform that you enjoy, Because if you don't enjoy either, you'll stop. You'll renege on your commitment, which is death for a community leader because you've now let your members know that you are unreliable and you aren't committed to them or to the community that you've built. They'll feel your wavering energy. And the results of this is a complete unraveling of the community. If you're not committed, they are less likely to trust anything you do. If you're not committed, they're less likely to invest in anything you offer because they won't know if you're actually going to stick around to follow through on what you've promised. If you're not committed, they're less likely to be an active and engaged member of the community because why should they have roots in your community if you are touch and go as a leader? When your members see that you are committed to them, to the community, and to the purpose you are fulfilling by leading them, They have every reason to fall in love with you and give you their loyalty. Consistently. Quote, Mediocre marketing done consistently over time will beat inconsistent, brilliant marketing every time. End quote. J. Conrad Levinson. Guerrilla Marketing. Put simply, consistency is showing up regularly on some sort of schedule in a way that your community can count on. It adds another dimension of trust to the relationship you're developing with your community members. They know they can rely on your email newsletter every Friday. They know they're going to hear your weekly podcast every Monday. They know they're attending your meeting on the first Wednesdays of every month. Consistently delivering your content and engaging with your community members deepens their belief that you're there for them, that you love them, that you value them, and that what you've created for them is sticking around for a long while. And most importantly, It reminds them every single time they hear from you 
that you provide value to them on a regular basis. A worthy side note, when it comes to consistency, please know that your consistency can evolve. When I first launched the Biz Women Rock podcast, my episodes aired three times each week. I'm getting tired just thinking about that. After not sleeping for three months, no joke, I think I seriously slept a lot less during those first three months of the podcast than I did during the first three months of having a baby. Um, I decided that I needed to shift to a twice a week schedule. Well, that lasted about a year and then I decided to release a show only once per week. Changing up your schedule and your consistency is okay as long as you're keeping your community in the loop and as long as you keep showing up. My good friend and fellow podcaster, Natalie Ekdahl, who has the Biz Chicks podcast, had a similar story. What began as a a five-day-a-week podcast, oh my God, has slowly evolved into a series-driven show that releases weekly for as long as the series lasts. Then there's a break until her new series releases. And even if your platform completely changes, you can still be consistent. My husband, Chris, launched his podcast, Story Jam Theater, thinking he would release one show each week. But because his show, which is a compilation of short stories told in front of a live audience, requires a live audience, which requires a big live event production in order to create the content, he not only shifted to a series-based schedule, but he really shifted his energy and started showing up consistently in other ways through related projects that he's passionate about, like PodFest Multimedia Expo, which is coming in February 2017, um, and The Messengers, the podcast documentary, which he's doing right now and you're seeing everywhere on Facebook. So yes, be consistent, but be consistent as you let yourself evolve. Lastly, great content. I cannot stress this enough. You must deliver great content. As the platforms to deliver content like blogs, podcasts, ebooks, and videos have become more and more accessible to everyone, the barrier to entry is low, which is wonderful in the sense that it's easy for you to get going and utilize them. But it also means that everyone and their mother, grandmother, and cousin can do it too, which means that there's a lot of crap out there for content consumers to sift through. And in a sea of mediocre content, the great content is the cream that rises to the top. Content is king. Or wait, content is queen in our case. I know we hear this a lot, but what does great content actually mean? It means that the information you're delivering, the articles you're writing, the podcast episodes you're producing, the ebooks you're writing, and the videos you're creating are actually filled with information that is relevant, usable, and helpful to your avatar. It means that the information you're delivering is valuable. Here's a quick comparison. Crap content. A blog article that is written mostly for the purpose of SEO, filled with lots of keywords and links and all sorts of stuff that Google bots will love. But the information doesn't necessarily flow very well, and it's boring. It's just a list of information that's been read a million different times and repurposed to fit your SEO needs. But it's content. Great content. A blog article that is written from your heart, with your knowledge and in your voice. You write the article for the purpose of sharing helpful information with your community and thus don't really pay attention to keywords. You just write great stuff. 
but you know that writing great stuff will produce the accurate keywords you need, but you don't lane the dang thing with them just for the sake of SEO. Here's the kicker. Crap content may actually get more attention in the beginning because of its ability to play the Google game, but great content always wins. It wins because your community continues to see you as an intelligent person who loves to share what you know and because they come to you to get something that they can't get anywhere else. Some of the best content producers I know, podcasters, vloggers, bloggers, writers, they launch their platforms with just a few people consuming it. Their content far surpassed other shows that were getting tons more attention But over time, as they showed up consistently to their platforms, committed to producing great content over and over again, they attracted more and more of their ideal listener, subscriber, or reader. All right, Katie, you might be asking yourself right now, so I understand that I'm supposed to commit to producing great content on a consistent basis, but how do I actually do this? So how do you actually commit to producing great content consistently? You just do it. Tony Robbins has an incredible saying around deciding versus choosing. He says that deciding is you cutting the ropes from your boats that have landed on a new island when you have no idea how or if you can survive on it. But you decide to cut the ropes and let the boats loose because you've decided you're going to survive and now you have no other option. And then all that's left is action. His quote continues, A real decision is measured by the fact that you've taken a new action. If there's no action, you haven't truly decided. End quote. Step three knows no drama. It doesn't accept excuses. It doesn't understand I'm too tired or I'm on vacation. I am actually doing this as I'm on vacation right now. It just knows action. So here are a few practical, quick tips that I have on how to just do it. Number one, block the time in your calendar. Blocking time in your calendar means that you create a meeting for you to do the work of producing your content. For example, from 12 to 3 on Tuesdays, I have a block in my calendar that says, write. (laughs) And during that time, I stop everything that I was doing before and I simply write to create blog articles and podcast segments. This sounds simple, But there are actually a few key elements to implement that will make this actually work for you. The first is to block times that are congruent with the appropriate energy needed. For example, I started out blocking writing times on Mondays, but I soon realized that Mondays were not actually ideal for creative times for writing times. They were more like get shit done and get shit organized days. So Mondays became my administrative days where I check emails, I organize my week, I figure out what my priorities are, and then Tuesdays became my writing days. Another thing is to commit to sticking to it for 21 days. Look, I'm going to be straight. When you create a blocked time in your calendar and it says write or it says, you know, work on podcast or write book or produce video, It's very easy to schedule over it, especially if something comes up that you think is super important. But I'm going to ask you to commit to sticking to this schedule for 21 days. 21 days makes a habit, right? 
So commit to strictly sticking to the schedule that you've created for three weeks to practice this new way of life. If you need to adjust the times and days, then go ahead and do so, but keep your meetings. The second trick is to get an accountability partner. Check in with an accountability partner once a week so you can report what you've done. Take it seriously. Knowing that someone else is checking in on you will help you do what you actually say that you need to do. And the third is to communicate your commitment to your community. Put it out there because now that you've actually told everyone what you're going to do, you have to follow through with it. Your reputation completely depends on it. I've gone so deep into step three because it is the deciding factor of whether you will build a successful community or whether you will become that girl who did that show once or wrote that blog for a while. While community is so much more than just a step, you cannot have one without committing to consistently producing great content. And that wraps up part two of our series on how to build community. Make sure you tune in in the next couple of weeks for part three and part four. Welcome to Money Moxie, where you go to know your dough. Today's Money Moxie segment is featuring an open books conversation with Jessica Rhodes, the founder of Interview Connections. She's basically the matchmaker between podcasters and people who want to get interviewed on podcasts, and that goes both ways. She's going to talk just a little bit about her services, but mostly we're diving into the financials here. She is a multi-six-figure business, and she's only been in business about three years. She has seven people who are part of her team, all independent contractors, and in this segment, we're going deep into the numbers. Welcome to Money Moxie, where you go to know your dough. Miss Jessica, what's going on, girl? Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm um, so excited to be here. <laughs> okay, we are diving deep and intimately into boom, 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 your financial books. Oh my gosh. All right. I'm calling this the open books segment. So thank you so much so. for being willing to be here because uh, this isn't something that a lot of business women are willing to talk about. And I happen to believe that it is so vital to running a successful business is to really get your head around your finances and understand them. So I know you have so much value to give here, which is why I asked you to be a part of this segment. So I'm going to start off with if you can give a super, super quick explanation of your services and mm -hmm. how your your business brings in revenue. I have two basic services. Um, one is for podcasters that need guests. They pay us a flat monthly rate to find uh, a certain number of guests for their show. So $2.97 per month for four guests per month, for example. And then I also have services for people that want to be interviewed as a guest expert on podcasts. For $3.97 a month, they will get booked four times a month on podcasts in their niche. And for $3.47 a month, they get booked two times per month on podcasts in their niche. Awesome. Okay. So that's obviously not where you started. So can you get yeah. your business is how old now about three years old? Three, yes. Um, three, two and a half years. Okay. So give just so we have some sort of a comparison. Where did your rates start? Well, my 297 program was $47 when I started. Okay. <laughs> and my guest expert programs, I didn't even really launch those until a few months afterwards. So I forget what the original rates for those, but probably I remember I had people probably I think 197 a month for four interviews a month was my first um, rate for that program. 
Gotcha. So included in each of those packages is really a lot of man hours behind the scenes. Yeah, very labor intensive. Right. So your your business depends on having the the we'll call it the female power because you have a lot of women mm-hmm. who work with you. So yeah. just a lot of people power to actually right. do the service and find, you know, ba- basically do the matchmaking for yeah. everything. Okay. Yep. So how long have you discovered after two and a half years in business, how long does your average um, client stay on for each of those pockets? So total. And I was just actually doing this. It's so funny. I, I love that you caught me for this interview at this time because I've been digging my numbers in the my digging my nose in the numbers and nice. like doing a lot of analysis around retention and everything of I just dumped a whole list last week of everyone that's ever paid me money. And based on that, my client retention for, for all clients on both sides of the business is seven months. Wow. Um, retention, I believe for my podcasters um, is a lot longer than my guest expert clients. But I do have some people that have been with me over two years. And then of course, there's always people that come in and leave after three or four months. We notice a lot of our drop offs happen around the three or four month mark. So we put a lot of work into our retention and gratitude efforts at two or three months to prevent them from saying, yeah, you know what, three or four months, I'm out. Now, what do you mean by that? Like what I, I think I know what you mean, but mm-hmm. you're talking about putting extra effort into sort of yes. making sure your clients know that they're appreciated so that they're yeah. like, oh, yeah, I love this service. I'm going to keep with it. Yeah. So here's what we do. Um, and this is all kind of stuff we've been rolling out recently. So we when I, when someone signs up, they get a package in the mail. Um, they get an envelope. We have like a, a laminated tip sheet, um, a notebook with, you know, rock the podcast on it. Um, some other little things, a little note card. So something that welcomes them right away. Uh, then we have a, a business book that we one of my dad's books that we um, send them um, after about three months. And then they get like brownies after another three months. So every few months they're getting gifts. Um, but what I'm doing as the CEO and founder, now our clients are working directly with my team. Um, but as the CEO and founder, I will do an intake call. So when they first sign up, I'm getting on the phone with them to set clear expectations and to get to know them. And I record that call so my team can listen to it and we get to know them. Um, and then I call them at the 30 day mark to say, Hey, check in. How's it going? Um, I call them at the 60 day mark and then at the 90 day mark so I can keep checking in. And I've realized how this is going to really help increase retention. I had a call just recently with a client who's been with us about, I think around four to six months. And I said, Hey, how's it going? He goes, well, it's going well. I like the interviews. I'm getting good feedback, but I don't know if I'm seeing the right results. And I said, okay, what's your goal? And basically, but the five minute little coaching session, I gave him some tips that's going to really help his results. And because of that, he's going to stay with us longer. So the additional touch points for with me and the client is going to really help. So if I can get on the phone with them at that three month mark and say, how's it going and help them see and like help them improve their uh, skills with the interviews, they will stay longer rather than just saying it's not working and give up. Right. How many clients do you have right now? Like on a monthly basis, how many clients do you have? Right now we have 59 clients. Okay. Gotcha. Wow. That's fantastic. Um, so how are you, I mean, in a subscription based service business, it's all about extending someone's subscription with you. So you're, you just explained you're doing a lot to sort of hold on to those people as much as possible and, and have them see value. But the reality is most of those clients are dropping off at some point. So mm-hmm. what do you do outside of 
you know, the, the retention efforts and, and what you're doing with your current clients, what are you doing to acquire clients? Mm -hmm. Um, and as far as the numbers go, like how many clients do you have to acquire every single month in order to, um, make sure that you're always on the plus every single month? Um, well, Katie, I don't know. That's all right. I don't know the, you know, that's, um, I am actually, it's again, that the timing of this interview is really great because I am starting to get more metrics around the sales. So I have somebody on my team that heads up the retention program and really implements, like I'm doing those calls, but I have somebody that really implements all those, you know, the gifts and the retention efforts. And I also have someone on my team that does the sales and speaking with prospects. And so what we're just starting to do, it was just, basically three months ago that we had my, the team member who does that sales work go focus only on sales. Um, so now what we're doing is starting to build out metrics. So each month I'm having her track, okay, how many cold calls are coming in? How many cold emails are coming in? How many new sales are coming in? Not, not the recurring order, um, sales, but new client sales. And then how many clients are we losing each month? So I just kind of calculated what that is for May. And now over the coming months, when at, we're going to start seeing the trends. So I'm, I'm, st I'm in the early stages of tracking those numbers and tracking those metrics and actually seeing okay and answering that question that you just asked me. <laughs> well, and I appreciate the transparency of that because I really want everyone listening to hear that uh, we don't have business perfect on day one and we're yeah. constantly evolving and figuring it out. And every single day that we move forward and become a little bit more savvy about how we're running our company, we just start implementing little things by little things. And so I, I just, it's very refreshing to hear that you're still, you're still in this mode of kind of figuring it out and trying to be a little bit more proactive about knowing the numbers so you can plan for it. Totally. And I mean, I'm definitely, I'm guilt, I'm guilty as charged in terms of for the first several years, I really feel like I'm advancing a lot just in the recent few months in terms of, you know, digging my nose in the numbers and really understanding them. Because if you said, you know, put together a spreadsheet and a budget, I mean, it's, it is not, it doesn't come naturally to me. Marketing comes naturally to me. I know how to make money, but the numbers and the spreadsheets and the metrics, that's all it takes, a, you know, it takes learning. So I think this is a really important um, segment, but it is, it is important to do that work and to know what the expectations are. Because for example, if sales are down or if net profit is down, you have to know why. And right. so that's why I'm tracking, okay, how many cold calls are coming in? Because if we have a ton of prospects coming in, but we're not closing sales, then I know it's a, we're not closing the sales, but if there's no prospects coming in, then I know I need to work on lead gen and actually right. getting more people in the door. So that's why, yeah. So I am in the early stages of actually figuring out, um, those numbers and those metrics. Love it. Now you do something really creative, um, that I have only seen once or twice before, just sort of in my experience as a consumer that I want people to <laughs> hear because I thought it was brilliant when you first, um, when I first learned about it. So I, uh, I was a client of yours. I had hired you in the very beginning years of Biz Women Rock to help me because I was doing three shows a week. So yeah. my <laughs> God, I needed all the help I could get to book to, to book yeah. uh, guests. And so I remember at some point it was right before I was about to go on maternity leave and I was my show was going from two times a week to once a week. So I was like, ah, and I had months and months planned yeah. out already. And I was like, listen, I don't I just don't need the services right now. And what did you come back at me with? And I want you who is listening to hear this and figure out how you can implement this in your business because it's brilliant. Yeah. So this is a juicy tip. So guys, pay attention, ladies. Um, so I have raised, as we've said before, I've raised my prices over time. You know, I started at $47 a month and those prices get raised. And 
people tend to get grandfathered in, let's say grandmothered in, because this is just in rock, <laughs> they get grandmothered in to the rate that they started up with. I have never said to, um, well, I've, I've changed one uh, service. That's beside the point. But most of the time, if the service doesn't change, I say, this is your rate for, you know, for life. I'm not going to say, hey, your 157 rate, that's now going to be 397. Right, so right. when Katie signed up, she was at um, a rate of 157.60 a month. And when she was going to pause her account, my rates had increased. And I said, Katie, that's fine. I can definitely pause your account. Just so you know, our current rate for the package you have is $2.97 a month. If you think you're going to return in the future, um, might I recommend our freeze account option for $9.97 a month. You can return at any time in the future at the original price you signed up for. You don't have to do this, but if you do return and you don't freeze your account, you just are subject to the new rates. And I've had a lot of people that say, oh my gosh, freeze, you know, because right. they, if they're, if they pause for even five months, that's 50 bucks to save them 150 a month right. that they would be opting in for in the future. And this is also really good for retention because every month when their card is charged $10, $9.97, they're getting a reminder of, okay, yeah, I still have, you know, I'm still connected with interview connections. And so we've had people that suddenly reply to that receipt and say, okay, I'm ready to restart again. Right, right. And I just thought that was brilliant because I call it sort of the stupid option. I was like, well, yeah, of course I want to do that. You know, like I'm not like, like I'm the $10 not, is not really, I mean, yeah. $10, it's not about like making money, but it is about keeping people connected to me. Right. And I, and I really thought the only reason I ever even ended up stopping that was mm. because my show was going through something completely different. Like if yeah, I had you were made, like, I'm just not going to need it anymore. Right. So, so. If, if I had continued along the same platform in the same uh, format, I absolutely would have continued. But at some point I was like, okay, that's just not a service that is appropriate for what I'm doing right now. But it, it you're exactly right. I would have kept it for a year and a half, two years yeah. until I was like, yes, I need that yeah. again. Right. So mm-hmm. um, it just made so much sense. So if you have a subscription based service and you keep raising your prices, exactly the verbal template that Jessica just yeah. gave is so ideal and so brilliant and it keeps people in touch with you. So um Jess, I want to go into what are your financial goals? Uh, again, this is all, this entire segment is really all about recognizing that owning your own financial kind of badass inside of you is so okay. I mean, as women, sometimes you're taught that money is super evil and it's not okay to yeah. make too much money. And so I really want this to be a very honest view about women who are, um, who have that drive and who want to do it because of all sorts of great reasons, but also because they want to drive revenue and they want to build, you know, a financial life. And so I really honor that, um, with what I see you doing. And so what is your financial goal? Um, and how do you see yourself attaining that? So my big financial goal is I want to have a seven figure business. Um, when I first started out, like my first big goal was six figures and I was so scared to even say that out loud. Like the, when I first thought that goal, I was like, I don't know, it just seemed like such a far off goal. Right. And then once I made that, I was like, okay, this is doable. And then, um, so, you know, seven figures is my goal. I got a little way to go. <laughs> like I'm not there yet. Um, but I am really, you know, learning from like seven figure entrepreneurs. Like I'm really trying to focus on that advice because the advice 
like the business advice that you hear for people that want to make six figures or want to get just to the mid six figures, it's just a different mindset. So I want to get to seven figures. I, I want my business to be seven figures. I would love to have a take home salary of, you know, in the six figures, like $200,000 a year would be awesome to come home to my family because obviously your business revenue is not what you're taking home personally. Right, right, right. You know, there's salary, there's distribution. And so I would love for my take home, you know, pay to, to be in the six figures. And, um, what I'm doing to attain that I am working really hard on having a healthy business, meaning, um, yes, I want to get the seven figures, but it's what I've been learning and what, um, trusted advisors have been working with me on is focusing more on the net profit of the business Ah. and watching the expenses because, and, and Diane Gardner, I think somebody that we connected with, she's Mm -hmm. my accountant. And I, you know, when I told her my revenue goal, she was, that's great but let's focus on your net profit because you could have, you know, $250,000 a year in revenue. But if your net profit is like, if you have really high expenses, like it doesn't really matter how much your revenue is if your expenses are out of whack. Right. Um, so I really focus on, on my expenses and my net profit. Um, that's why within our business, like with guest booking, I'm keeping an eye on, you know, how many hours a guest booker is working based to, um, how many bookings they're making. And if a couple months goes by and a team member is not, if they're working like a ton of hours, but not doing a lot of bookings, that is not profitable. And that doesn't make sense. It's not a good fit. So I really keep a close eye on that stuff. Mm, Love it. Uh, I want to go ahead and finalize this segment by asking you what, what are some of the, uh, let's, let's go with one big lesson that you have learned in your financial journey, either because, uh, you learned it the hard way <laughs> or just a lesson that you keep on having to learn. Like what is one big financial lesson that you have learned that you can impart on everyone listening? I think one, I think the one big financial lesson is to like, don't ignore the P and L reports, you know, like every th- things ebb and flow in a business. Like for example, I sponsor your conference, Katie, I sponsor podcast movement. And so there are months when a ton of money goes out the door and like you, you know, you lose money that month because you invest so much and then it takes time to like build up. So monthly P and L reports sometimes are out of whack, but I, every few months I go through my P&L report and I say, okay, the income, the expenses, the net profit. Okay. Why is that? You know, if one month seems like really good or one month seems really bad, I try to then get dig deeper into, okay, what caused this month to be out of whack? Oh, you know, and, and I kind of figure it out. So that's the one big lesson I've learned is if I go a long time without looking at that stuff, things can get hairy. Um, and you, and, and, and then you don't catch mistakes as fast as you wish you would have. So when you look at those numbers and when you look at those reports, you can figure stuff out. Like just yesterday I went back and I was looking at my PNL reports for like the last four or five months. And I was realizing that, okay, we were really a lot more like much higher net profits in, you know, January and February. And I thought, okay, well, what has changed? Why have the past few months been lower? And well, to be continued. I don't know. <laughs> right, right, right. In the midst of figuring that out. But the point yeah. is, is that it's top of mind and you're putting right. the time into figuring it out. And there's clarity too. Like, you know, like I said before, you know, starting to keep track of the sales metrics. Okay, how many cold calls are coming in? Maybe the lead gen is just really down or maybe the messaging is off and I'm not marketing to the right people. Like recently I've said, okay, I'm going to stop marketing to like, 
this type of person. And, and so there's a lot of that, but it felt so good. Even if I wasn't happy with what number I was seeing, it feels so good to actually have clarity because then you can actually take action on what that, what those numbers are telling you. Can't think of a better way to end. Thank you so much, <laughs> Jessica. Such great information here. Thank you so much for opening your books to your company sure. and sharing your information. I feel so financially naked right now. <laughs> <laughs> the financially naked hour. That's what we're going to change the name to. Woohoo! Sexy, sexy book. Sexy money. Thank you, Katie. All right. That brings our episode today to an end. Thanks so much for being here. Hope you took something great out of this that you can go implement in your own business. And if you did, if you got something great out of this, tell one other great businesswoman in your life about the Biz Women Rock podcast and the Biz Women Rock community and all the resources that we have here to help businesses grow. All right. I love you. Have an amazing day. I'll see you on the next show.